Welcome to the Glow Up Effect podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Diana. Here at the Glow Up Effect, we're diving deep into mindset shifts, inspiration, and daily actions to help you thrive in your everyday. Let's get down to business and let's claim your glow up, girl. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Glow Up Effect podcast. Today I am going to be chatting with Katie Grimes, who is a love addiction coach. And I find that so interesting and it has so many different levels to it. And she's really going to be diving deep into that with us today. Um, Katie works on helping women channel the love that they crave um, and want from others into their selves and really channeling that to live your best life is my understanding from religiously following your content. (laughs) Um, So welcome, Katie, and I'll give you the floor to introduce yourself, who you are and what do you do? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be on here. And you gave me a great intro. That is exactly what I do. Um, So I essentially help women specifically who um, of all sexual orientations, all backgrounds who are just really feeling like they want to learn how to love themselves Mm -hmm. and that they ultimately want to have healthier and happier dating lives. Now, I have some clients who come to me and they are, I've kind of categorized them as three people. It's like, hot mess express they're like date actively dating but feeling like oh my gosh like everything i'm doing isn't working yeah. to single and definitely not ready to mingle which are those people that are like you know what i've either gone through a breakup or i'm keeping my focus on my career and i just don't have time but they ultimately want to be in love yeah. to the third type of person which is like deliberately dating there are people particularly my clients who have you know taken time off of dating or have actively been in a relationship and are no longer trying to seek validation from their partners. Mm -hmm. So they are like actively looking at how can I create a better support system so my partner doesn't become my lover and my therapist and my travel companion and my sex partner and like everything under the sun. Mm -hmm. And so primarily those are the three types of people that I work with. Nice. Um, And tell us a little bit about what is love addiction and how did you really feel called to do this work? Yeah, this is a great question. This will probably take the majority of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So I am a love addict. I am someone who four years ago was sitting with a girlfriend of mine and she told me, I think you're obsessed. I think you are obsessed with finding the one and it doesn't really matter who that guy is. You Mm -hmm. are constantly figuring out ways to be in relationships or to um, should I call him? Should I not call him? Can you reread this text that I wrote? Like, she's like, it's nonstop. And then another girlfriend at the same time said to me, I think you're flirting and you don't even realize that you're flirting and you're flirting with the wrong kinds of guys. Wow. You're flirting with men who are interested in your friends or your, or your, or who are married and you don't even realize you're flirting, but it's attracting them. Yeah. And she's like, and the thing is, is that you are so yourself when you're acting that way towards them, that it makes them attracted to you. Yeah. So now it all of a sudden sparks this interest and she, and she's like, and I think you're so oblivious to it because when you are actually dating someone who is available, you are not yourself. You're not lighthearted, easygoing, fun, and you know, having laughs. And when the two of those people said that to me, one of them had recommended sex, uh, SLAA, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, which most of us commonly have been like, oh, Tiger Woods. Exactly. Oh, uh, David Duchovny. Like, because a lot of celebrities suffer from this addiction. Yeah. But 
what people don't realize is that men or women, despite whether we're gay, straight, you know, having multiple partners, et cetera, we are all actually impacted by this. And it is a disease that you really, it's not like alcoholism or drug addiction. You actually can't really tell sometimes if you're addicted. So to your question, what I have seen in my own behavior, um, and I think that it's important to stress that because other people could identify this in other ways. And so I'll share my experience and then I'll share what I've seen other people as well. Yeah. In my experience, it has shown up like the story I just told you where I was constantly in one relationship after another, whether I was just hooking up with somebody or whether I was actively like in a committed relationship with them. Yeah. And I found myself really unfulfilled regardless of whether or not I was just sleeping with them or whether I was in a committed relationship. I found that I was jealous. I was envious of other people's relationships who just seemed to have it together. And I was constantly reading books and talking to girlfriends to try to get their perspective on what they think I should do so that I could ultimately get married and have kids not really knowing whether or not I wanted to be married or have kids because depending on who I was dating, that also would change. Yeah. And so what I found was, as you can probably hear it, I was just confused. Like I found that I tried not sleeping with them right away. Then I tried sleeping with them right away. I tried uh, not calling them right away. I tried like not even holding back. And I found that every single time I was following what I felt like flat on my face, which meant I was overanalyzing what I was doing. I was constantly obsessing about what I could be saying or doing or wearing differently. And what I've seen it, how I've seen it show up with other people too, is that they're calling people who are either emotionally not available, meaning they've told you they're not, they're not free or they're dating other people or married. It's having this ability to like not actually stop calling them or reaching out to them. I've seen people um, stalk other people's profiles on social media. So like, oh, I'm just going to see what my ex is up to. Yeah. Oh, he's with that girl. Okay. What's she up to? Right. Like, <laughs> which is stalking. And I didn't realize that that's considered stalking, but that is, I mean, I know you're not like peeping outside their window, but it is considered stalking. And for other people, I've seen them pay for sex. I've seen other people um, compulsively cheat on their partners. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen people go into sex working. Um, it, I would say if out of all of that, really what it is is this deep fear of not being good enough. That's the common thread regardless of the characteristic. But most of the people that I work with, myself included, um, often will say it's almost as if I get high. It's this mm -hmm. rush of energy. You ever see a hot person that you're like really attracted to and you start sweating? Yeah. That feeling all the time, you can actually feel it like coursing through your veins and you're excited and you're kind of in your head. You're like, but you're trying to play it off like you're cool. But I think the common thread amongst all the characteristics is that you don't feel good enough and you also fear being in an intimate relationship. And I don't mean sex, but I mean like if you actually got to know me, would you leave me? Mm. Wow. So, and oh, so you asked me too, how did I get into this? Like, because I was in SLAA, which by the way, is an anonymous program, meaning like my people only know me by my first name there. Yeah. And they, SLAA doesn't like sell, they, they don't pay me to say that I went to SLAA because that doesn't do anybody good. 
what's beautiful about it is it's a free program that you can go to around and build a support system of like-minded people who also are feeling this exact same way. And so that's how I got into it. And what ended up happening was so many men and women, well, specifically women were calling my phone all the time that to ask for dating advice or asking about being in a relationship and to wanting to talk through the fact that their partner gave them another thing to do on the honeydew list and that they were bullshit at them that I started realizing like, I don't have time to call these people back because I was working full time and doing this. Yeah. So I started creating groups where people could come together at the summit of love, for example, or one-off examples. And then just decided back in April of 2019 that I was just going to do this full time. Nice. I, it's just mind blowing how a lot of the things you were saying, they just like, they seem so, uh, everyday life, a part of everyday life, like, oh, yeah, like flirting, like something so simple, I feel like um, that it happens so often, you can kind of like, unravel to the point where you feel almost out of control, based on like what you've been sharing with me. Completely. So I, I often will talk about love addiction. and I'll be like, you probably don't even know that you have it because you just assume that this is your 20s and 30s. Right. You just assume, and even, I mean, don't get me wrong. It doesn't matter what your age is. People, people do this in well into their sixties and seventies. I've sat in rooms with people who do this, but it's really like we are in this culture where it's highly sexualized. And, but I am not really concerned about being highly sexualized. I'm more concerned with how does it make you as the individual feel? Are you having sex with that person a little too early because you feel like you have to, or is it just because they're hot and you want to, you won't feel good, but then you feel like shit after you sleep with them. Like I care about what action you're taking and then what do you feel like after or before you do it? Yeah. That's really good stuff. You're really cracking the code open here. <laughs> I'm so happy you say that. Cause I think it's a disease that we all, a lot of us suffer from yeah. um, in yeah. some way, shape or form and that we don't even know what to call it. Yeah. I'm wondering, so initially, like you say that moment, your girlfriend told you, like, I think you're obsessed. Like, how was, how was that for you that very moment where you kind of came to terms with like, okay, I have a problem. Let's, mm -hmm. I use their quotes. Two. Um, yeah, that was. I, I have something that I want to address. Like what internal work did you have to do in terms of your mindset to really feel ready to go to your FLAA or, you know, do journaling or whatever it was that you were trying to work through? Like, what was the, the mindset set up? Okay, this is a great question. So I remember exactly where I was sitting and she was off to my left. Like I remember this moment so vividly mm -hmm. because I was like another program. So what I mean by that is in the 12-step recovery community, we call them meetings or we call them programs. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that you are going to an actual meeting that takes place for 90 minutes or an hour and you're with people whom first names you only know. You don't know what they do for work. You don't know whatever. And that you're sitting there and you're talking about a particular topic that is related to everything that you and I just talked about. Well, the good news was, is that for the past six years before I had gotten into a program called Al-Anon, which is for most commonly for children or family members or friends who are actively impacted by someone who is an alcoholic or drug addict. Okay. And let's face it, with how common those two diseases are, those rooms are packed, <laughs> men, women, all ages. And so for the last six years, I had been diligently going to meetings, journaling, doing the prompts that I needed to, 
And what I realized was I needed to get like my money right. Right. And I realized that I was like compulsively spending. So I like went to another program for that. And this is important because I think what ended up happening was I already had the foundation of trying to do things differently of feeling like I had a support system around me, but specifically I had someone who was a sponsor, someone who had more experience than me. Yeah. And this is a great way to talk about coaching. It's someone who has more experience than me, but has also can relate to exactly what I was going through Yeah. because she too had grown up in an alcoholic home and that it was impact impacting, impacting her, you know, from, I mean, there's, if you guys want a resource, if you go on ACA, which is adult children of alcoholics, there's 14 traits to identify with. And I checked all 14 and I was like, oh my God, I'm, this is me. So why that was important was when my friend said to me, I think you're also a love addict. I was like, you've got to be shitting me. So the first phone call was to my sponsor, was to my coach to say, oh my God, somebody just brought this to my attention and I'm so mad. And her response to me was, if you're mad, I want to ask you, is there any truth to what she said? Which I think is a huge question. When we are pissed at people, it is generally because there's some truth that they're spitting. So what I ended up doing was calling her crying, wailing, because I was like, I don't want to take more time from not going out with friends and not doing all the things that I want to be doing after work and going to another program. And so she said to me, maybe you're going through this so that you can have compassion for the addict that still suffers. Mm -hmm. Well, what that, what that means, girl, that means like, that's how I got my job. Yeah. Like I essentially went through it so that I could teach, get to a healthy place. So my, I had to, I had to first make a phone call to answer your question, but I I wanted to give you that background because I think there's a lot of people who can relate to growing up in that kind of dysfunction and that sort of environment. But I think doing that work really helped me to be like, all right, what's the worst that can happen? I get better. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, and that experience really kind of like confirmed that you were ready to take that next step and like address it full on. Yeah. So I went to a meeting the very next week. Yeah. And I was scared. I like you're not a procrastinator. No, I'm not a procrastinator. I was like, where's the, I literally looked up a meeting like after I spoke to my sponsor or my coach, I was like, where's the next meeting? And I ended up going and I was terrified, but here's how I knew it was for me. I walked into that meeting and I was checking the guys out. <laughs> I thought that maybe I was there because I was going to meet the love of my life. And mm. sitting in that chair and realizing I was having that thought made me go, you're exactly where you need to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so, that's so interesting that you can also tap into like the things you do subconsciously. Like you, you wouldn't even initially notice you were doing those things. So that's really interesting. Um, on your podcast, you talk a lot about how um, sex, love and fantasy, all addiction uh, play a role into our everyday lives. And there was a certain episode that you talked about how there's this like grayness, this gray zone that can be built between fantasy and manifestation, which is like all the hype right now. Um, mm-hmm. My last guest on my um, most recent podcast, we talked about um, manifestation and how, you know, if you just believe it hard enough and you speak into existence and you're really like going for it, you know, it's, it's supposed to be meant to be almost. So um, I kind of want to give you the floor to talk a little bit about how fantasy and manifestation are kind of like, merging into together, but you don't necessarily think that should be. 
Yeah, I think it's a great question because you're right. I think manifestation is such a hot topic. There are my business coach is a manifestation coach, and there are some principles that I really actively believe in. But I think it goes back to the comment that you made earlier to me, which was having the self awareness of those subconscious thoughts that are happening, and then being able to just say them out loud to someone and say, "Oh shoot, I don't know that that's necessarily healthy." Mm-hmm. So the difference that I see fantasy versus manifestation, let's take, let's take fantasy first, which is I want what I want when I want it. And for those of us who identify as being quote unquote control freaks or not being okay with the unknown or the uncertainty of what's to come, this can be very challenging for us to conceptualize, right? It can be like, well, if I just do more or I just say more, I'm going to get what I want. And I think with fantasy, the difference is when we fantasize in sex, love and fantasy addiction, what I mean by that is like, you ever replay a sex, a sex scene between you and somebody that you previously had sex with and you could replay it when you're alone and masturbating, or you could play it in your head when you're with someone else, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so, or you could even play it when you're with them, but either way, you're playing this script in your mind of the feelings and the comfort and love and the joy and the intimacy. Mm-hmm. But you may not realize that you're for one having unprotected sex. I mean, you may realize, but like you may not be consciously thinking about the things that could impact you, which is yeah. how do you feel afterwards or what are the effects of it? And so with fantasy, I often say that it's this, I want what I want when I want it and I want it right now. And that it's constantly trying to say or do things to get it to happen for you. So I'll give you a great example. When I told my friend about this guy that I had hooked up with and her response was, I think you're obsessing and I think you're a love addict. It was because the scenario was we had just had sex. He was not in, um, he was not available for me to have sex, meaning he was a willing participant, but he was not, he was with someone else. Yeah. And I was fantasizing about the fact that he worked for a very well-known organization, which on, you know, every week I could see him on TV and it made me excited about the possibility of what our life could be like. Yeah. So I was in visualizing my, I was fantasizing about being at the games and uh, riding the bus or like doing certain things that allowed me to feel a part of that lifestyle. I thought about the money that he made. I thought about the cars that he drove. I thought about all of these attributes and the feeling that I felt when he would confide in me that he wasn't happy with his partner and that he wanted to be with somebody who he could laugh with and have fun with. And I was like, I'm that person right? Like in my head quietly, I was like, I'm that person. Like he just needs to see that I'm so much better than her. And it wasn't about her. And it actually wasn't about him. It was just about me feeling good. But what I found was that the fantasy of us having sex together and replaying those scenes and where the car was and what music was on and hearing a song and thinking of him, these were all distracting me from now showing up at work or getting a good night's sleep, or even like we'd be texting late at night. And now we're Now it's been an hour and I should have been in bed two hours ago. So fantasy is really not being able to like let go of what you want. Because here's the thing. I want to be in a loving and committed relationship with someone where the sex is great, but I don't want it with all that other chaos. Mm -hmm. So manifestation is I want all of those beautiful things that I just mentioned, committed relationships, someone to laugh with, someone to 
have great sex with, someone to make me feel uh, who, who like Jerry Maguire, like who completes me, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to do that work on myself to really figure out what do I need and how does it make me feel? And what are the things that I can put into the universe that are I'm not, I'm, I'm not calling people who are not unavailable. Like I started to clean my house up first. I, I got rid of all the old photos. I got, I, I deleted the numbers or blocked them. I put different things in place so that the universe could go, oh, I hear you. So you are ready. You do want to be in a loving and committed relationship and you don't want to be with someone who completes you. You want to be with somebody who you've done the work on yourself. And as a result of that, they've now come and they've matched you. And so I'm going to put, I'm going to put this person in place. I'm going to put that phone call in place. You're going to randomly run into that person in place. And now all of a sudden you start to just see things starting to unfold that you, that are just, it's as if they're like magically happening or, Oh my God, what a coincidence or what a surprise, but it's not a surprise. They're manifesting because you've done the work. Yeah. I love that. I like the the term you've done the work because um, the instant you said, you know, blocking the numbers, throwing out the pictures and stuff like that is just, it becomes so evident that once you are internally ready, um, that's when things start to like tiptoe into the right place, right time, like you mentioned. And here's a good point. Somebody could listen to this and be like, oh, perfect. Okay, I'm ready. I'm just going to go home and throw everything away. <laughs> I'll block all the numbers. But that doesn't serve you if you are, have not made a trusted call, a call to someone who you trust and can support you to say, I'm about to go do this and I feel sad mm-hmm. and I feel excited, but I feel really uncertain about what's to come. Cause I want this for myself. You see the fantasy could be, let's just throw all our shit away and let's start bumbling away. But yeah. that doesn't actually solve any of the shit. Like you're not actually doing any of the work. Mm-hmm. You have to actually, when I say do the work, you have to get in touch with your feelings. Yeah. Good, bad, ugly, resentful, shameful, like all of that. And then the manifest, then the universe listens. Yeah. Yeah. I think honoring your feelings is definitely really important. Um, actually I had a question that you threw in Bumble in there now with like dating apps being so popular, I wouldn't know because I've been in a relationship for quite some time, but, um, the, the accessibility and like you said, like the sexualized culture and the swipe left swipe, right? Like the value of, you know, our interactions are, are dependent almost on these like left and right swiping. Like what's your opinion on, on online dating apps? So I think they're wonderful. I think it's, it's like the, it's like the LinkedIn, the LinkedIn of trying to find your career. It's like dating apps. Now here's the thing. The old way that I used to think about dating apps personally is that I thought it was desperate. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can find a man on my own. Um, or, you know, I can find somebody on my own. Why, why would I go on a dating app? Like that just seems desperate. But the reality is, is like, if you think about LinkedIn, you go on LinkedIn to find a job because someone, you know, is connected to that person Mm -hmm. and they may be able to give you more information so that you can get the best fit. Well, the same rule applies for Bumble or dating apps, which I think is really important because one on some of the dating profiles, you can fill out, I do drugs. I don't like, you can be really specific. Some of them are very general. I caution you when you're using something that's really general, like Bumble, get specific. Like who the fuck cares? Like I put in my dating profile. I do not want to date anybody who does drugs and it ended up ruling out half the population. So if I was getting 10, if every time I was swiping, 
I was getting 10 matches. What ended up happening was I was getting five, but now they were quality because they were guys that didn't do drugs. So I had one person pop in that was like, is weed considered drugs? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I, I feel like you're being judgmental. And I was like, I feel like you don't know my history. Yeah. <laughs> like the reality is, is like, I grew up in an addicted home. I don't want to date somebody who is like that. So, but again, I did the work in figuring out like that I did not like, well, that was my red flag, my bottom line. I'm not dating somebody. The other thing, there's two other things I would caution on with dating apps. So one, be specific as possible. Yeah. Um, and, and use photos that are current, obviously, and allow for a range. I got this tip from some guys is like range from both close-ups to body shots, the whole nine, because men, particularly if you're male to female and, and male and female to female, really, you're just looking at the fact that you're, are you attracted to this person? I would say, be really cautious about who you're swiping on. So for example, there was one particular person whose profile I saw. And as I was going through it, I was like, there's a beer. He's got a beer in his hand in every picture. This guy's a partier. Mm -hmm. That guy ended up actually assaulting me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even, I, w I didn't even match him yeah. on a date. So my intuition when I first saw him on the dating app was like, this guy is a bad guy and this is not good. Well, I ended up running into him at a bar and he showed me his dating profile. And I was like, I saw you actually. And I decided that I wasn't going to swipe on you because you're a partier. And he's like, oh, you damn right I am. Yeah. Well, my intuition told me and my intuition has now two years later. I mean, we're going through court cases over it, right? Like, yeah. so I would say, follow your intuition. If your intuition is telling you that this person and, and oh, he has a photo with his mom. Yeah. This guy had a photo with his mom, but he actually hadn't spoken to her in a year. Mm -hmm. So some guys are out there for the wrong reasons. I'd say the third thing is figuring out like, why are they on the dating app? So it's, it's a question that I always ask them. It took me um, a conversation with a guy friend who said, Katie, I know you're annoyed that you're swiping and every 10 swipes, you know, every 10 matches, only two people are working out. It's because not everybody's in it for the same reasons. So ask what they're in it for. And then I guess the last tip I would say is, you know, when you're going on, when you're going on these dates with people, I often find that having a phone call before, if you're in the type of mindset where you actually want a date to be in a relationship, pick up the phone and ask them to have a chat for a few minutes. And what I always say is let's make sure we're laughing at the same shit. Yeah. One, you get to see, are they speaking the same language? Literally, this has happened to me. Are we speaking the same language? Like, can I actually understand what you're saying? <laughs> we live in a city. It's really diverse. Like I couldn't understand what he was saying. And he didn't ask me a single question about myself. So that was a big indicator. Yeah. But also girls, it takes us forever to get ready. Yeah. So why am I going to spend an hour and a half getting ready to then take a half hour to get there and back and then go out on a date for a few hours? That's a, that's like seven hours. No. So I picked up the phone and started having conversations just to make sure that we were laughing. It's a screening process. <laughs> screening process. For sure. Like you don't get a job without a screening process. You shouldn't get a date without a screening process. Yeah. And, um, and if, and if for a lot of my girlfriends, they were like, there's no way I would do that. And I was like, okay, well, and sure enough, a lot of them have wasted their time. So I think it's just figuring out what your screening process is and making sure that you feel comfortable doing that. And then just be really cautious on the swiping right and left. When you leave a date, are you swiping as soon as you get back into the car? Yeah. And why? What's the feeling that came up? Did he make you feel like shit or her? Did, did you not gel with her at all? Or like, did you actually really gel with her and you just want to see what else is out there? Like, I would caution you, 
don't date too many people. Like, let's just focus in on one or two and put the dating app down for a little bit so you can pay attention. Yeah. Those are amazing tips. Nice. Uh, I don't even, oh my gosh, I'm going to probably type up some like really cool infographic and tag you because that was amazing. Thanks, girl. I appreciate that. Um, but I had a question. Um, I guess I'll start with the, the advice part. So what advice would you have for women that are fighting that doubt and playing the comparison game in their mind? Because oftentimes, you know, when you're presently dating or when you dated someone in the past, you get caught up in replaying, you know, the, Oh, why didn't we work out? Why didn't he choose me? You know, you go to the Instagram profile and look at all the tagged pictures. So how would you suggest that, you know, to fight that doubt and try to just get over it? Almost. It's a really great question. So I would say the first thing is realizing that you're not crazy. Mm -hmm. I think this is a big one for us. I think that men have often labeled women as crazy and we have often labeled ourselves as crazy. And I think it's really important to know that the thoughts and the feelings that you're having, number one, are not crazy. I often say that we're not crazy. It's because something that was said or done triggered us and it's making us respond or react in a way that feels really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because it doesn't feel aligned with what we want. So I would say number one, reminding yourself that you're not crazy. Number two, if you can't remind yourself that you're not crazy or need guide, like just feel like you don't know where to start. This, the second thing I would do is call a safe and trusted friend. And I talk about this on the podcast a lot. What I identify a safe and trusted person is, is most likely not your mom and dad, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, It's, it might be a best friend, but it definitely needs to be someone who is not encouraging you to behave badly, but rather saying, I I applaud you for trying to seek seek the truth in this. Like, you know who your happy and your healthy friends are. And if you don't, I have um, a document that a journaling prompt that you guys, a course that you guys can buy. It's like a video and a course that like allows you to actually dive into who those safe and trusted people are for you because it's really, really crucial. I have every single one of my one-on-one clients go through this list and this prompt, because I think it is so crucial to figure out who in your life is around you that is going to help guide you to be the best person that you can be because you are going to doubt yourself. Every single one of us doubts ourselves in some way, shape or form, even the most confident people. And that who do we call when we feel like we're not enough? Mm -hmm. And I would say start for those two spots and start with those two tips And then the, I mean, I get essentially the third, which goes into the second is, you know, there are so many coaches, myself included, that can really be there to be guiding lights in terms of not, not telling you what to do. I think that's a common misconception with coaching, but essentially you're sharing stories about what is most important to you or what's really affecting you. And we're able to pull intuitive information out of what you're saying to reflect it back to you for you to be able to take considerable action on. So I'm, when I hear, when I hear you talk, I'm not going to be like, all right, girl, go throw away, go block everybody and um, stop hooking up with everybody. No, it's not going to fucking work because you're yeah. not going to do it. Like instead it's like, okay, well, how does that person make you feel? Or how do we, how do we just block one number today? You know, like make pulling it out into small baby steps. Mm. So not crazy, call a safe and trusted person and then get yourself a support system that can help elevate you to the way that you want to be. Yeah. And so you said not crazy. Like, I feel like 
like you said, like men are out of the first to like, just label you like, oh no, like you're being crazy. Like, no, that's totally not accurate. But then have nothing to justify why you feel that way. Um, so I really like those tips. Thank you for sharing those. Um, my question for you next was that, what advice would you have for listeners that are battling or craving that deep need for love? And if, if it could be also, um, what glow up tip do you have for the listeners? Yeah. So ask me the question one more time. Cause I had a couple things just pop in. Well, yeah, I kind of threw in the glow up tip in there cause I mm-hmm. asked every guest a glow up tip, but, um, the, the question was what advice do you have for listeners battling or craving that need for deep love? Oh, such a great question. I would say identify I think it goes back to what I just said earlier too, about figuring out what it is, what, okay. I have, I I know it now. I would say that if you could start with writing down a list of all of the people, the things and the behaviors that you're doing, Hmm. do not feel good anymore that are causing you pain that are causing you discomfort, even though you're in the search of wanting to find love, what are the things that you particularly are doing that are actually not helping you get closer to love? That is a list that I uh, was asked to make when I joined SLAA. And then it's also a list that I have my clients go through because I think it is crucial to be able to then not repeat the mistakes of our past and also to forgive ourselves when we move forward. Because like attracts like, if you're going into a relationship with all that stuff, you're going to attract somebody who has the exact same characteristics, which is how I essentially got into all this 10 years ago. Like I dated my soulmate, but my soulmate had all my stuff. And so it was a mirror reflection of me turning around and going, Oh wow. I need to look at all the things I'm doing from how am I spending my money? Mm -hmm. What am I eating to, am I stalking on, on Facebook? Am I sleeping with people? Am I not shaving my legs just so that like when I go on that date, I won't have sex with him or her, like check all that stuff down on a piece of paper, do yourself a favor. Don't write in an electronic document. I accidentally sent something similar to my father. Put it somewhere safe. Put it somewhere safe. Pen and paper. You pen and paper for sure. And then you're going to, you can burn that shit eventually or write a book about it, which is what I'm going to do. <laughs> Um, and your glow up tip for the listeners. So how would you identify a glow up tip? Like what's a glow up tip? I tell my guests can really be just anything that helps you elevate to, you know, a better version of yourself. So literally it can be like drink your water, you know, stretch in the morning, whatever it really do. So this is a tip that I got from 12 step recovery. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is, this is not branded Katie Grimes, but (laughs) I ask myself this daily. It's called HALT, H-A-L-T. Are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? And are you tired? Mm. And then go down the list and start eating and like, you know, like figure out what are the things that you need to do to bring it back to the basics. And this happened just recently with a coaching client. She was really, she's, she's actively dating. She's feeling like she really, is making all the strides. She's eating her kale. She's getting her workouts in. She's doing all the, she's meditating. She's praying. She's doing everything that she should be doing, but she's freaking lonely Mm. and she's sad and she wants to call her ex. Right. And 
what I asked her was, have you eaten today? Have you had enough water? What are you angry about? Are you lonely? Did you get enough sleep? Like, and as I started to go through all that, the hungry, angry, lonely, tired, um, she realized she hadn't eaten all day Mm. or she hadn't gone to the bathroom yet. Like it was just basic stuff that like kind of brings it back down so you you can take care of your basic needs. So halt. Halt. I love it. Well, to wrap up here, um, where can the listeners find you online? Yeah. So you can, um, hit me up at, on my podcast, which is on iTunes, Spotify, you name it. And that's called anything for love. And then my Instagram is kg.katiegrimes and my website is katiegrimes.com. So I offer courses depending on if you're kind of in that stage of, like I said, kind of hot mess express, wanting to take time off of dating or also just deliberately dating. Mm-hmm. And I also have private coaching as well. Nice. Well, I literally didn't even get to go through all the questions I wanted to ask you, but um, that be round two. I feel like we should do. I think so, for real. <laughs> um, but I really want to thank you for coming on. Um, like I said, I always get shy asking strangers to join me, but I really think the work you're doing is magnificent. I really think you're just at the cusp of what is going to be an amazing year. Um, and yeah, you get to hopefully we get to connect again soon. And I thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, and thanks everyone for listening too. What an amazing episode with Katie. I really just can't even get over all the amazing stuff that was jam-packed into this episode. But Katie is having an event this month called Killer Confidence on February 13th and has provided the Glow Up Effect listeners with a promo code. So if you're interested, I'm going to link Katie's event or you can find it on her website or on her Instagram, but I'm going to link it on my um, Instagram page as well. But if you're interested in attending Killer Confidence on February 13th, it is basically a live workshop for women who want to increase their confidence when it comes to love for themselves so that initially they can have happy and healthy dating lives. So if that sounds like something you are interested, Katie is your girl and tickets are for sale. And like I said, I will link them and guide you to her page to check them out. So if you're interested... If you enter the code GLOW, G-L-O-W, at checkout, you will get a discount, 10% off your entry ticket. And again, it's on February 13th. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow Up Effect podcast. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you love this episode, please share with your friends and family and tell them to check out the Glow Up Effect. Lastly, if you don't already, please check me out on Instagram at the Glow Up Effect.